0: Welcome once again, everybody. It's the Throwback League. This is Josh Lewin. I am the host, the originator, the producer, whatever you want to call it. This is where we have kind of a little March Madness thing going on with World Series teams between 1974 and 2006. 32 of those, we got a 16 team at large field as well that we dump into the blender. Those are all World Series losers from that time. We simulate the outcomes courtesy of whatifsports.com. I take that play-by-play, go into my little studio, and voila, we have a result and we have a podcast. We'll take you all the way through till uh, basically early January of 2021 is when we'll finally get this thing decided. Right now, we are into a 12th game, down a 48-game path. It is a 12-seed at a 5-seed here, the 1998 Padres, who were swept in that year's World Series. They'll be taking on the last Dodgers team to win a World Series, the Kirk Gibson, Oral Hirschheiser 88 Dodgers. They're in as a five seed here at Dodger Stadium. Tremendous pitching matchup, sinker ball artists of the highest order, two right-handers, Hirschheiser and Brown. Kevin Brown and Oral Hirschheiser are toe-to-toe. Not a lot of long ball expected because these two do keep the ball down. And in these respective seasons, 88 and 98, they were at the tippy top of their games to be sure. Hirschheiser and the Dodgers of 88, the home team. So let's get a preview from former Sunday Night Baseball voice Hall of Fame announcer John Miller.
1: The 88 Dodgers were the team that shouldn't have been there. Uh, you know, They beat the Mets, and the, the Mets were a, a much better team. But the one thing the Dodgers had that nobody else had was a great pitcher who was at the... Height of his powers in a record run in that whole second half, Oral Hersizer, who had just set the record for most consecutive shutout innings pitched, and he carried on through into the, uh, the postseason, even out of the bullpen, uh, helping shut down the, the Mets in the league championship series. And uh, when uh, Gibson came up and hit that home run, and that's sort of the, the signature moment of that World Series. To take a win away from Oakland it looked like a sure thing. Dennis Eckersley, the great closer, one of the great closers of all time, was there in Gibson, who was not supposed to be able to play. And yet there he was, and then he hits the home run on a, on a hanging slider, which Eckersley said afterward, as soon as he threw the pitch, he thought that was a mistake. And he later said that he didn't want to throw that pitch, and he shouldn't have thrown it he thought that that lack of conviction as this being the right pitch might have been part of the reason that he hung it. But uh, anyway, now they were going to have to beat Hershiser,
0: and it was impossible to beat him. Thanks, John, and we'll get back to those 88 Dodgers in just a bit, talk a lot more about Oral Hershiser, but first let's dive in on the road team. Up the five from San Diego, here come the 98 Padres, and Let's be clear about something rivalry-wise in San Diego. Oh, they hate the Dodgers. I mean, they hate the Dodgers. L.A., well, they'd rather hate the Giants. The Padres are just kind of a a little brother down the road. So the rivalry really kind of works one way here, if you will. The Padres in 98, well, uh, Kevin Brown was the key, and he will get the start today. Brought in from Florida, fresh off a World Series title there. Kind of a reverse fire sale. A few years earlier, the Padres sold off parts to Miami. Now it was the other way around. Dave Stewart became the pitching coach in 98 and under his tutelage, Andy Ashby had his best season. Every starter, I think, had that mentality of, I'm going to give you just one more inning. Seven instead of six, eight instead of seven, and it worked out. Two trade deadline deals for the Padres, one that worked and one that really didn't. The uh, pinch hitter extraordinaire, John Vanderwall, came in from Colorado. That did work out. Randy Myers did not. He had no fastball anymore. His salary would hang over the Padres' budget like an albatross for years to come. Huge year for Greg Vaughn, a year after he hit just 216, How about uh, 272 with 50 home runs, close to 120 runs batted in. He was almost dealt to the Yankees in the offseason for Kenny Rogers. The Yankees killed the deal when he failed his Yankees physical. Padres marched into the NLDS. Kevin Brown, 16 strikeouts at Houston, head-to-head against Randy Johnson. High four-seamers in that game instead of the usual sinking two-seamers. Game two, that was Jim Leyritz tying it up at four in the ninth inning, homering to right off Billy Wagner. Astros won anyway in the bottom of the 10th inning. Game three, NLDS, another late Leyritz home run, gave the Padres the lead. Hoffman struck out the side in the ninth, two won the final. 2-1 lead in the series. And then Sterling Hitchcock against Randy Johnson in Game 4. Dan Micelli got Carl Everett to pop up in a big spot late. Padres put it away with a two-run pinch hit double by Vanderwall and a two-run homer by Wally Joyner. So on to the NLCS. They beat the Braves. They won the first three games and lost two. The grab game six to head out to the World Series. Sterling Hitchcock had started and won three playoff games at this point against Randy Johnson, Tom Glavin, and Greg Maddox. But in that World Series, oh, the Padres, what could have been? Failed to hold a 5-2 lead in game one at Yankee Stadium. Mark Langston had Tino Martinez struck out with that 2-2 fastball, but nope. Home plate umpire Richie Garcia called the ball. Next pitch, grand slam. Yankees win game one. Game two, uh, leaping catch by Paul O'Neill early to Rob Wally Joyner right at the Nobody Beats the Wiz sign in right field. The Yankees would win that one handily. Game three back in San Diego, Scott Brocious hit the big home run off Trevor Hoffman in the eighth, gave the Yankees a 5-3 lead. Hitchcock had pitched six scoreless, but it didn't really matter. Andy Sheets struck out against Mariano Rivera with two on in the ninth. The Yankees won 5-4. to four. And then game four of the World Series, we're all down 3-0, bases loaded, two out, bottom eight. And if uh, anyone could have hit the Grand Slam to make some magic, it would have been the king, would have been Jim Lairitz, but he lined the center, and the Yankees would have their World Series sweep. But got to point this out. Two weeks after that World Series, San Diegans voted yes to build Petco Park. 17 lawsuits, and six years later, it opened up. And no question in anyone's mind, had the Padres not surged that summer, had not captured the city's heart, that measure was a no-vote ready to happen. Twenty years later, when the Chargers needed a, a Super Bowl run to pave their way for a new stadium, now they went 5-11, and 11, and now the team is in L.A. Elsewhere in baseball in 1998, boy, what a jam-packed, memorable season. Mark McGuire, Sammy Sosa, Ken Griffey Jr., even Vaughn, all had 30 home runs before the All-Star break, and the historic chase for the Roger Mara single-season record of 61, that would pretty much be a two-horse derby between Sosa and and McGuire. McGuire pulled away, ended up with 70, with a little help from the pharmaceutical industry. MVPs were Sosa in the NL, Juan Gonzalez in the AL, Clemens and Glavin, your Cy Youngs, Ben Grieve was Rookie of the Year, he now lives in San Diego, by the way, that in uh, Oakland in the AL, Kerry Wood in the National League for the Cubs, Managers of the Year, Joe Torrey, that was an easy choice in the American League, Larry Durker for the Astros in the National League. Bud Selig would become baseball's new commissioner. Tampa Bay and Arizona debuted as franchises in 98. Brewers moved from the AL to the NL. Mentioned Kerry Wood. He had the 20 strikeout game against the Astros at Wrigley in early May. David Wells had a perfect game at Yankee Stadium. Barry Bonds is so locked in, Buck Showalter would intentionally walk him with the bases loaded. September 20th of that year, Cal Ripken Jr. took himself out of the lineup. Before a game against the Yankees, Ryan Miner. It's the guy that replaced him, so the consecutive game streak ended at 26-32. And just three days later, the Cubs looking to get that division title. They go to Milwaukee County Stadium. They're up 7-0. Brant Brown drops the Jeff Jenkins fly ball with two out in the ninth inning. And you can still hear Ron Santo yelling, Oh, no, on Cubs radio now, if you listen very closely. Pop culture, 98-wise. Well, Maybe you were listening to the Goo Goo Dolls or Green Day instead of this. But on TV, Regis Philbin wanted to know if that was your final answer. Everyone seemed to be telling us what to think. Think different, said Apple Computer. Think outside the bun, said Taco Bell. Bill Clinton wanted us to think he did not have sexual relations with that woman. Sadly, in 98, Frank Sinatra, Sonny Bono, Phil Hartman all passed away. Happily, however, MP3s were invented, and hey, Gillette introduced the Mach 3 Razor, the first triple-blade shaving tool. At the movies, Saving Private Ryan, and an X-rated follow-up soon hit the market called Shaving Ryan's Privates, although that's probably not something you needed to know. In a more PG-13 rated silo, Ben Stiller found an interesting kind of hair gel for Cameron Diaz in Something About Mary, and Robin Williams was bouncing around annoying critically ill patients in Patch Adams. Anyway, without further delay, let's get to the starting lineups for the 98 Padres as we join manager Bruce Bocci in the act of getting reasonably jiggy with it. Kilvio Varis leads it off for a 98-win team in 98. Wally Joyner at first base. Greg Vaughn in left. Ken Kemeniti at third. The switch hitting a heartthrob, 35 years old now. Tony Gwynn now 38 years old. He's in right field batting fifth. Chris Gomez is shortstop. Steve Finley in center. Carlos Hernandez, the catcher. Kevin Brown is on the mound, pitching and batting ninth. All right, let's get you to the 1988 L.A. Dodgers. Kirk Gibson winning the MVP with a rather ordinary batch of regular season numbers. Wasn't even an all-star in 88, but for his leadership and clutch hitting, he was NL MVP. Their first base platoon of Franklin Stubbs and Mickey Hatcher combined for eight home runs all year with a batting average of .230. Third baseman was the obscure Jeff Hamilton. The team leader in RBIs was Mike Marshley at 82. But what they had was the pitching of Oral Hershiser and that one timely swing by the injured Mr. Gibson when it counted. And that was Gibson's only at bat that entire World Series, and Jack Buck did not believe what he just saw. Before that, a scintillating NLCS against the Mets who had just killed the Dodgers during the regular season, but... Game one, Gary Carter uh, had the tying and winning runs banked with a double off Jay Howell. Dodgers would come back to grab game two. Game three, there were thoughts that Howell was loading up the baseball. Davey Johnson had an inkling going in. First base coach Bill Robinson noticed Howell tugging at the strings on the back of his glove. So with Howell trying to hold a lead, full count on Kevin McReynolds, that's when Davey Johnson pounced. Mets would end up winning that game. Game four, up two games to one and leading four to two in the ninth the Mets would see Mike tie tied in the ninth with a home run off Doc Gooden. Kirk Gibson would win it in the ninth with a home run off Roger McDowell. That, actually, that one in the uh, 12th inning. Game six, David Cohn, 20-3 and three in the regular season, tossed the five-hitter for the Mets to force game seven. But then Oral Hershiser, he had the five-hitter in game seven. So game, set, match. And on to the World Series where it was more Hershiser, more Gibson. They stunned the favored A's. What a team, as Tommy Lasorda would say so often, oftentimes with an expletive in the middle of A and team. Elsewhere around baseball, your 88 Baseball Hall of Fame, Willie Stargell went in. Frank Viola and Oral Hershiser were your Cy Young Award winners, Walt Weiss and Chris Sabo, your Rookies of the Year. There was a great race in the AL East that season, five teams finishing within three games of each other. The Red Sox emerged. They lost to the A's in the ALCS. Well before that, the Orioles... Started the year 0-21, finally got a 9-0 win in Chicago at Comiskey Park. Mark Williamson going the first six innings. Next day, that's when Reds manager Pete Rose would shove the umpire Dave Pallone, and a lot came out of that 30-day suspension for Rose. A few days after that, the Reds had Ron Robinson, one out away from a perfect game. But he gave up a single and a home run, actually coughed up the lead before the, the Reds would finally beat the Expos 3-2. to A little bit after that, Billy Martin fired from his fifth stint as Yankees manager. Craig Vigio would make his Major League debut at the end of June. Very end of June, the Illinois General Assembly voting to help fund a new baseball stadium to replace Comiskey, so they would not be on the move to Tampa after all. July the 12th, that was uh, the All-Star game. That was Terry Steinbach. Everybody was all over him. Why is he even an All-Star? He drove in the only two runs of the game at Riverfront Stadium in Cincinnati. Cubs would play their first-ever night game at Wrigley that August, and A. Bartlett-Giamatti in September, unanimously elected by the owners to replace the outgoing Peter Ubaroth as commissioner. And one final note from the regular season, one of the great season-ending games in history, Oral Hersheiser and Andy Hawkins, Dodgers versus Padres, they each went a scoreless 10 innings. Padres would eventually win, but... The 10th inning. That was Hershiser's 59th consecutive scoreless inning. That broke the Don Drysdale record. Game was scoreless through 15. Dodgers scored on an error in the 16th. They won it in the bottom of the inning. Did the Padres when the, uh, the Mark Parent home run was hit? Two run shot off rookie Horton. Pop culture 88. By God, if we can't do 88 pop culture without a good old fashioned Rick roll, that I mean. That would have been a missed opportunity. At the movies, Eddie Murphy and Arsenio Hall were coming to America from the sovereign nation of Zamunda. Tom Cruise and Dustin Hoffman starred in Rain Man. Yeah, yeah, they definitely starred in Rain Man, yeah. On uh, TV, Dennis Miller didn't want to go off on a rant here, but he, he usually did on Saturday Night Live's weekend update. On the radio, Guns N' Roses welcomed you to the jungle. Around town, Nike encouraged you to just do it. Visa was everywhere you want to be, and George Bush made it very clear. Just read his lips. No new taxes. Here's the lineup for the 88 Dodgers, submitted by Tommy Lasorda. For the Blue Crew, it is Steve Sachs leading off at second. Alfredo Griffin at short. Kurt Gibson will follow. He's in left. Mike Marshall in right. Pedro Guerrero is going to be at first base in this one. John T-Bone Shelby in center. Jeff Hamilton at third. Mike Socha is the catcher. Hirschheiser pitching and batting number nine. So, as Nancy B regales us on the Dodger Stadium, of Oregon, this is Oral's theme when he pitches. One time 17th round pick out of Bowling Green. And Oral's 1988 numbers are insane 23 and 8 in the regular season, 15 complete games, including eight shutouts. Got better as the season rolled along. Really, I mean, it closed with the 59 straight scoreless innings, but 1.04 ERA in the postseason. Hard to believe just a three-time All-Star. Arm surgery robbing him of some really good years, you figure. Tommy Lasorda nicknamed him the Bulldog. Not much uh, because he looked like one, it's because he pitches like one. He actually found out during his playing days his first name means Eagle in Czechoslovakia. He and Martina Navratilova were shooting a TV commercial together in LA. That's what he was told by Navratilova. Oral Hershiser, who comes by his passion for hard work and integrity very honestly. His dad had built up a successful printing business back in New Jersey. And a real sense of propriety for Hershiser broke Drysdale's record for consecutive scoreless innings and insisted that Drysdale join him for all the press conferences and photo sessions. He will be facing off here against Kilvio Veras, a switch hitting second baseman. In hitting 267, 24 steals this year, down from the 56 he had to lead the National League as a rookie with the Marlins back in 95. He's a good glove man. And he takes here. It's down the middle for a strike, nothing and one. Padres have never had a gold glove second baseman. Only one ever won by a shortstop. That was Ozzie Smith in 1980, and he was traded to St. Louis for Gary Templeton. Pitch here is down too low now, one and one. We'll check the defense for you. And around the horn, Hamilton at third, Griffin at short, Sacks at second, Guerrero at first. Gibson, Shelby, Marshall left to right in the outfield. Next delivery is in the dirt, two-and-one. Padres looking to get out quickly here. Once opened a game, by the way, with three straight home runs. Did that in 87, their first home game of the year off the Giants' Roger Mason as the pitcher swung on and fouled back. Marvell Wynn parked the slider leading off. Wynn hit a fastball out. John Cruck hit a changeup out. Mason famously said, after the game, it's a good thing I don't have a fourth pitch. Pitch here is low, 2-2. and Gilby Varis close to hitting for the cycle a couple times earlier this year. That's something that will elude this franchise for the first 48 years of its existence. Still no no-hitters, and it took him all that time to bank a cycle. Pitcher swung on and fouled at the plate, still 2-2. Two and two. Tony Gwynn was one hit shy of a cycle 22 times in his career. Needed only the single against these Dodgers, In a June 1993 game, he had the three toughest things to get by the sixth inning, but manager Jim Riggleman pulled him. Padres up 11-2, Phil Clark in as a defensive replacement in right. Gwynn would have had two shots at a single, never got to swing the bat. Here's a swing, here's a ground ball near first. Guerrero hobbling over, he's got it, touches up, one out. It was an injury shortened to 88 season for Pedro Guerrero. Here's Wally Joyner. 298 hitter, 12 home runs, 80 runs batted in. Great free agent acquisition, showing up a vacancy in the infield. And he takes strike one, poured right down the middle. Well, you talk about San Diego and free agents. The first one they gambled on was indeed Oscar Gamble. Ray Kroc's attorney from Chicago suggested it. Gamble was coming off a 31-homer season for the White Sox. So Kroc's attorney, Don Lubin, Kept telling Ray Kroc he got to sign this guy. Well, Gamble was a bust, and as Kroc said the following winter, the Padres no longer have Oscar Gamble as an outfielder, and I no longer have Don Lubin as my attorney. Pitch is in there for a strike again, nothing in two. Ray Kroc supposedly told his wife, I'm thinking of buying the San Diego Padres. And his wife said, What on earth do you need with a monastery? <laughs> Next delivery, swung on and fouled back to the net. No score just underway. Outfield a bit to right against the lefty swinging joiner. Oral Hershiser says like any border skirmish, the, the pitcher batter confrontation is all about real estate. Hitter thinks he owns the plate. Pitcher wants to show him the deed to that land and enforce a few zoning laws. And that's working out pretty well for the Bulldog here. Winner of more than 200 major league games but he likes to remind people he was a forgotten relief pitcher back at Bowling Green. Wastes one here in the dirt now, one and two. Hershiser, pretty good hitter, so good defensively too. Gold glove winner in '88. A couple years before, Greg Maddox will begin his run of 13 straight. Bases clear, one out. Here's a rock in the pitch. Swing, hard shot, but right at second, Steve Sachs has got it. Plucks it right out of the air, two away. And that'll bring up Greg Vaughn. Monster year. Big, strong, scary-looking batter, formerly of the Brewers, taking strike one down beneath the knees. That sinker up just a bit from Hershizer. Vaughn brought in at the trade deadline in 96, did very little. 1997, it just 216, 18 home runs. This year, 272, 50 home runs. Swinging here, he fouls it at the plate. No balls, two strikes. And Oral Hershiser, the only baseball player ever to sing a hymn on the Tonight Show with Johnny Carson. Launched into Praise God from Whom All Blessings Flow. Impressing Mr. Carson and completely bewildering Ed McMahon. Here's the pitch. Swing and a miss. Strike three. Good. A hard sinker. And that retires the side. Nothing doing in the top of the first inning for the 98 Padres. We'll keep it in 1998. We pause for this. You ready to get warped? Well, Crash Bandicoot is back only on PlayStation, and this time he's totally warped. Oh, yeah, he's back, and he's ready for a whole new time-traveling adventure. Swim in the shark-infested waters of Atlantis. Hang on to a tiger as you cross the Great Wall of China. Ride a
1: T-Rex in prehistoric times. Jet ski, cruise a motorcycle, and fly right into bullet-filled skies. There's also cool new moves and features like the supercharged body slam, the death party spin, and the fruit of gun.
0: Crash Bandicoot, warped, only on PlayStation. Get warped! All right, and as for something you can get into right now, here in 2020, may we suggest you try out our good friends at Coffee Bean and Tea Leaf, the most perfectly blended coffee on either coast since 1963. The Coffee Bean and Tea Leaf has been bringing you the finest coffees and teas from around the world. You know them if you're in L.A. or San Diego for sure. With responsibly sourced ingredients, handcrafted coffees and teas, the Coffee Bean and Tea Leaf, an experience like no other, And now available for a limited time. Try their new Horchata Cold Brew Coffee or world-famous Ice Blended. Kevin Brown on the mound for the Padres, a tall, stone-faced right-hander, has been as advertised when acquired for this 98 season, his only Padres season. 2.380RA, 18 wins, averaged exactly a strikeout per inning. Cy Young candidate, part of a very solid rotation, with Ashby winning 17 games, Joey Hamilton 13. Talked about Sterling Hitchcock, Mark Langston's in this rotation. Brown, a Georgia Tech grad, broke in with the Texas Rangers, led the league in wins in 92. A couple years ago in 96, a 189 ERA, his first year in Miami. Spent a couple of years there, now at San Diego for this year. Soon enough, the Dodgers for five years, and the Yankees for two. When he pitched here in L.A., by the way, he ended up buying the house of musician John Fogarty. He literally could uh, look, look, look out of John Fogarty's back door. Kevin Brown about set to go now with Steve Sachs. Brown, the the rare pitcher who can dominate a game without a changeup. Everything he throws is hard. But because everything moves so much, he is still both deceptive and effective. Wiry guy, tremendous wingspan. His old Rangers pitching coach says that uh, Kevin Brown can scratch his knees without bending over. Right now, standing tall, the six-time All-Star ready to face Dodgers second baseman, Mr. Sachs. 277 hitter takes ball one in the dirt. And Sachs a threat to run if he gets on. Vaughn in left, Finley in center, Gwynn in right for the pods. Caminitis at third, Gomez at short, Veras at second. Joiner at first and Carlos Hernandez catching. Next delivery scrapes the outside corner. It's one and one. Playing here at Dodger Stadium. Beautiful Dodger Stadium. And Walter O'Malley wanted to boost the sale of beverages and pretty cagey. And until the health department stepped in, he had no water fountains. You had to buy your water or your. Your Coca Cola. Now there's about 20 water fountains at, at Dodger Stadium. Here's a swing of foul. Sinker right at the plate. He's fouled off. It's one and two. The original request by Walter O'Malley for this land in 1959 192 acres of Chavez Ravine is zoned for commercial use, 20 acres for the ballpark, 84 for parking. They need it. But the other 90 or so acres were for rows and rows of souvenir and novelty stands going to have restaurants, including a Hawaiian luau layout. Auto Service Center. The Service Center survived. The Orange Union 76 ball beyond the outfield wall has become iconic. But the rest of the plan was rejected for Fear O'Malley with Turn Chavez Ravine in a kind of a downtown Disneyland. Here's the pitch. Fly ball towards center. Not too deep. Steve Finley right there. He's got it. And there's one down. Alfredo Griffin coming up. Griffin hitting just 199 this year, one home run. Dave Anderson, the other Dodgers shortstop this year. Griffin on the losing side of three perfect games before it's all said and done. As a Blue Jay against Len Barker, as a Dodger against Tom Browning here in 88. And as a Dodger again against Dennis Martinez in 91. Eyeballs a strike at the knees, it's 0-1. Griffin, a guy who almost never walks. In fact, in 1984, 441 trips to the plate, he walked four times. But when he gets on, very aggressive base runner. He'll do things like go from first to third on an infield hit, from second to third on a pop out to short. Gotta keep an eye on him like he's a toddler at the mall. Here's the pitch. Swing high, fly towards right. Bending in the foul ground. Tony Gwynn is over. And right in front of those seats, he makes the catch. May have leaned into the first row there. Late arriving crowd, though. That is not a, an entirely populated first row quite yet. We're in the first inning, no score. Here's Kirk Gibson, NL MVP, though he did not go to the All-Star game. 25 homers, 31 steals, major difference maker on the field and in the clubhouse. And facing another tough guy here in Kevin Brown. There's ball one steered outside. Kevin Brown grew up in McIntyre, Georgia. Home to a big kaolin mine and not much else. Kaolin is used to make brick cement and porcelain for toilets. Like the kind he's been known to smash in the clubhouse when things don't go well. There's a strike to Gibson one and one. Brown with a no-hitter in 1997 in San Francisco. Would have been a perfect game, but he hit Marvin Bernard in the right knee on a one-two pitch in the seventh. Brown having walked on as a pitcher slash shortstop at Georgia Tech. Didn't want to sign his pro contract offer from the Mets initially because he didn't want baseball to interfere with the engineering internship he was headed off to pursue. Pitch to Gibson, pounded foul down the right side up into the crowd it goes one and two the count in a scoreless first inning battle of a couple guys who are pretty much fiercely independent I mean Kevin Brown when asked about who his mentors were coming up he would always say very bluntly no one and this is a guy who was a teammate of Nolan Ryan's for five years This is a guy who never did anything in the minor leagues, but boy, he bloomed completely in the show. Career minor league record, 13 and 21 for Kevin Brown. ERA of 4.6. Next delivery on the way, swaying fly ball towards right. Tony Gwynn moving over a bit towards the line. He's there, and he's got it. So kind of a weird inning for Brown. Normally a ground ball pitcher, he gets fly ball outs. And at the end of one, there is no score. As we get set to go back to the 88 Dodgers, here's a word from 1988. If you were going to cook up some burgers tonight, you'd want to roll them on a grill, make them taste just right.
1: You'd put them on a fire, a real hot flame. You wouldn't fry them in a pan, wouldn't taste the same. You'd make them come out juicy, if you did them yourself.
0: come back to Dodger Stadium. No score for now. Let's move ahead to further action. The Dodgers would actually get it going with two in in the bottom of the second inning. John Shelby with a single to really get things started. There was uh, Jeff Hamilton coming through with a line drive base hit. Mike Sosha also coming through in that inning. And it would be 2 nothing at the end of two. But that lead didn't last too long. Top of the third, Steve Finley blooped in a single in a left field. Carlos Hernandez would ground out to short. But uh, that would actually get Finley along to second base. Kevin Brown worked a walk. And pretty rare for Hershiser to walk a pitcher. Kelvio Vera struck out. But then Wally Joyner doubling into the alley and left center. That chased home the two base runners, knotted things up at 2-2. Two two. It would stay 2-2 until we got to the top of the sixth inning. Let's pick it up right there. And it's Greg Vaughn leading off, 50 home run hitter this year against a guy who doesn't really give up many. That's Oral Hershiser. First pitch in for a strike. It's right around the belt, nothing in one. Five strikeouts for Hershiser so far. He's one of only 80 major league pitchers with 2,000 strikeouts. Nolan Ryan will forever be first with 5,700 plus. Former Padre Andy Bennis retired with exactly 2,000 strikeouts. Hirschheiser, 2014. Two more than Catfish Hunter. One fewer than Rick Russell. Pitch comes in, it's outside, one and one. Hirschheiser against Kevin Brown is the matchup in this one. Nice little pitcher's duel so far, as expected. You know, late in his career, 11 years from here in 88, Oral will actually face Kevin Brown for real and beat him. Doing so, topping out with a slider of 80 miles an hour. Beat him 3-1 to on a two-hitter here at Dodger Stadium. Got a hit off Kevin Brown as well. Next pitch in for a strike, one and two. I mentioned Hirschhiser ending this 88 regular season with a record 59 straight scoreless innings. And if you include the postseason, that streak actually went to 67. They took a shutout into the ninth of game one of the NLCS. Next pitch low for a ball, two and two. We talked about this battle between Hershiser and Brown, two of the, the real heavy sinkers of their generations. Mike Sosha always said it was the heaviest sinker he ever caught, the one from Oral Hershiser. Maybe a young Alejandro Pena could give him a run for his money, you said, but that's about it. Outfield around the round to left and a step back against Spawn, who swings and misses. Down he goes, strike three. One man out here in the sixth for the 98 Padres. 2-2 ball game. Here's Ken Caminiti filling a void at third base. In a couple of years, the San Diego native Greg Nettles filled in quite well at third. But there's always been a pretty big question mark at third base for San Diego. Really, the, the history of this franchise bears that out, except when Caminiti was parked there. And the big switch hitter taking a strike. It's nothing and one. Barry Evans was supposed to be the hotshot rookie for San Diego in 79. He had 216 in a two-month audition, quit baseball to play pro tennis. And in 1973, the top's rookie card for future star third baseman was Mike Schmidt, Ron Say, and the Padres' John Hilton, wearing glasses that made him look like he should be hanging with Sheldon from Big Bang Theory. Pitch to Caminiti, swung on, fouled down the first baseline, nothing in two. Nothing Sheldon looking about Caminiti. His late 90s studliness on display every game at the Murph down in San Diego. Pre-game, they'd roll out a little video montage on the scoreboard of a shirtless and ripped Caminiti taking BP, and you could hear the squeals in La Mesa. Goatee on his face, number 21 on his back. Next pitch, Caminiti swings, and misses strike three. Back-to-back strikeouts for Hershizer, opening the sixth inning. And here now is Tony Gwynn. Hall of Famer, Jack McKeon went down the road to personally scout Tony Gwynn, but only kind of. He was really there to see Bobby Meacham, the Aztecs shortstop. And Jack wanted to draft Gwynn out of San Diego State in the second round. The scouts said, no, get the pitcher Bill Long instead. Fortunately, Gwynn was still available in the third round, and the rest is history. Left-hand batter taking a pitch inside, it's 1-0. and You know, this 98 Padres team would get it done with Gwynn being injured for much of it. The 88 season that the Dodgers are in, he says, that's the most satisfying batting title that I've ever had. Only 313 hitter that year, but Tony had undergone surgery, still somehow won the batting title, stole 26 bases. Pitches low 2-0. Probably the most complete season for Gwen, 97. That was his eighth and final batting title, 372 hitter. Personal best in home runs, runs batted in. He had 119 runs batted in that year. Tried Ted Williams' suggestion that history is made on the inside pitch. Turn turn on that ball and drive it, said Ted Williams, and he did. Next pitch, a strike called outside corner. That's a surprise when Gwynn takes a strike. He was called out on strikes twice his final two years in the majors. And check this out. From 92 to 95, Tony Gwynn had more runs scored than he had swings and misses. Incredible. Here's 2-1. Swinging, high drive. This ball's got a shot. Deep in a right center field. Marshall back. Shelby back. It is gone. It's a home run. We are just talking about Tony Gwynn turning on pitches. He did right there. He had 16 home runs this particular regular season. Here's one. And off a really good pitcher, too, to make it a 3-2 game. Tony Gwynn can hit real good pitching. 130 combined at-bats against Greg Maddox and Pedro Martinez. Never struck out. 315 against Pedro was a batting average. 415 against Maddox. He hit 390 against Kurt Schilling. He was 9 for 19 against Dennis Eckersley. But here against Oral Hershiser, he goes deep. And it is a 3-2 ball game. Brings up Chris Gomez now, LA native. Lakewood, to be precise, closer to Long Beach. Played at Cal State Long Beach. And a pitch at Hugsy outside corner at strike one. If you think about the Padres, from 73 to 85, they drafted three Hall of Famers. They got Gwynn, Ozzie Smith, and Dave Winfield. I can think of one other team that had a 12-year stretch like that, producing so many possible Hall of Famers. Boston, 71 to 83. Jim Rice... Wade Boggs, Roger Clemens in that time. Carlton Fist drafted a little bit before all that. That was in 67. Pitches low here to Gomez, 1 and 1. Yeah, the Padres had Ozzie Smith. They didn't think he'd ever hit, so they traded him straight up for Gary Templeton. The Padres' first two shortstops couldn't hit at all. Jose Arcia. Tried it. Fans would uh, carry bedsheet banners around the stadium in 1970 that read, Arcia stinks. So they traded Pat Dobson for Enzo Hernandez, and Enzo Hernandez was even worse. <laughs> Here's a pitch, swinging a little pop up. This one staying in the infield. Steve Sachs toddling over towards second base. He's right at the bag, puts it away, and that retires his side. But Tony Gwynn launching one. A 3 2 lead for the 98 Padres. We'll move ahead to further action. And the Padres would actually add to the lead, getting a run in the seventh inning. Jim Lairitz would come on. he pinch hit for Kevin Brown. And he would single after Steve Finley had singled. Wally Joyner and Greg Vaughn would uh, not come through, but Ken Caminiti did with a base hit. That made it a 4-2 ball game. And the Padres would take that lead all the way to the bottom of the ninth. You know what that means. It's Trevor time. Trevor Hoffman trying to close out the Dodgers, so to the bottom of the ninth, here we go. Trevor Hoffman earlier in 98 racked up his 41st straight save, it was uh, actually 97 into 98 to tie Rod Beck's record. And the same man he had struck out the night before to get number 41, homered off him to prevent number 42, that was Moises Salou. 53 of 54 and saved chances for Hoffman in 98. Guy that planned on being a big league shortstop, not a big league pitcher, led the University of Arizona in hitting in this 1988 season, 35 points ahead of JT Snow. But in 1990, at single A for the Reds, he was hitting around 205. He made 30 errors at short in 100 games, and thus a pitcher who was born. John Shelby, the batter, World Series winner for the Orioles in 83. Now again for the Dodgers in 88, and the pitch to the Kentucky native in there, the changeup for a strike, nothing in one. 552 saves as a Padre for Trevor Hoffman. He'd end up with a few more, with the Milwaukee Brewers, for example. Next pitch coming, swing line drive, base hit center field for T-Bone Shelby. He'll scramble back to first. Not really a threat to run with his team down two. Going to bring up Jeff Hamilton now. And he is a tying man. Not like Hamilton is a big-time home run threat. Six of them this year. He hit just 236 for a batting average. And Trevor Hoffman at Dodger Stadium. He grew up near here. Wasn't allowed to play contact sports as a kid. He, he'd had a kidney removed, so it was baseball, no football. But between his brother Glenn and his dad, Ed Hoffman, uh, he was always around baseball. His dad was the famous singing usher at Anaheim Stadium. Pitch on the way. Change up in the dirt, it gets away. John Shelby down to second base on what probably will be scored a wild pitch. Carlos Hernandez tried to backhand it in the dirt, and it skidded by him. right near that scout that stands there, Mr. Brito, with that uh, Juggs gun and that big Panama hat. So now Jeff Hamilton ahead 1-0. So that Bugs Bunny changeup, and we'll see if that's coming again. Here's the wind, here's the pitch. It is the changeup. It's a strike. It's a 1-1. Trevor Hoffman, before he was a famous big-league closer, had his big moment on national TV during, of all things, the Super Bowl in 1993. His girlfriend was a Buffalo Bills cheerleader. At the end of the third quarter, he held up a big sign from about 30 rows back, Tracy, will you marry me? She saw it, but she just kind of thought that he was kidding. So Hoffman bolted past an usher, not a singing usher, just a regular usher, went right to the sidelines dropped to one knee to ask a question. It was on the Stadio Jumbotron, then on national TV later. Pitch coming. Strike called outside corner one and two. And we mentioned Ed Hoffman, the famed singing usher. Would sing the anthem several times at the Big A in Anaheim. Sang at Fenway once for his son Glenn's big league debut with the Red Sox. Glenn will later become intra-manager of these Dodgers. 4-2 lead for the 98 Padres. Hoffman looking in. He's got the sign from Hernandez. Now the pitch. Swing and a miss. Down he goes. Actually looked like the fastball that time to get him. All those change-ups and the fastball. So there's one down. Here's Mike Sosha. And ooh, yeah, ninth inning in 88. Remember, he hit one of the, the Dodgers' biggest ever home runs. Two-run, two-out, ninth-inning homer off Doc Gooden to tie up game four of the 88 NLCS. Philadelphia native taking hits on the outside corner, strike one of the right-hand batter. Sosha nicknamed the Rock. When Sosha broke the Dodgers' record for games caught, Oral Hershizer presented him with a granite slab in the shape of home plate from the Bulldog to the Rock. Oral says he'll always remember Socha lying down in the trainer's room after games, ice packs on every part of his body except his stomach, because on his stomach was always a box of pizza. Hershiser <laughs> says Sosha's the only guy who could catch 140 games a year and gain 10 pounds. Pitchers in the dirt here, one and one. Socha known for being the best in the business in terms of blocking the plate. Tagged out 134 at the plate in a 10-year career. Tim Belcher once said it's like a tree stump with a never-ending root system. Pitch ladled in here for a strike. It's one and two. Socha, usually an aggressive hitter, makes good contact. Line drive hitter who always excels at the hit and run. But very little speed. Tommy Lasorda is on record saying if he raced his pregnant wife, he'd finish third. Here's a kick in the pitch from Hoffman. Swing ground ball towards second base. Shelby going to third, but the toss to first base is in plenty of time. Varus on to Joyner. So two out. And with the pitcher's spot up, now well, Oral Hershiser has gone nine innings, but here comes Mickey Hatcher. Not Franklin Stubbs, who's a lefty, but I, I'm guessing here the Tommy Lasorda figures got a good contact hitter here. I mean, Hatcher never more than 34 strikeouts in a season, 12-year career. He was trying to make some contact and pass the baton to the top of the order. You'd have Steve Sachs up next. Hatcher, the football punter back in college, played some wide receiver, too, for Oklahoma. He's a favorite in that clubhouse, for sure. He'll eventually be a pitching coach. And famously, first day of spring training when he got the job, that with the Angels. His speech was, fellas, as a hitting coach, I'm here to tell you, just hit that little white thing as hard as you can. Let's go. (laughs) Doesn't overthink it. And Right now, a chance to tie this game with a long ball. That's not really Mickey's thing. Only one home run this year. Runner at third, two out. Here's the pitch from Hoffman. Swing and a fly ball to left, not deep. Offered at the changeup. Here's Greg Vaughn coming in. He's under it. He makes the catch, and the ball game's over. Another save for Trevor Hoffman. And wow, the Padres of 98, team that got so quickly dismissed in the World Series. They take it to the 88 Dodgers, a 12-seed over a 5-seed, as Kevin Brown did enough heavy lifting to make it work. Six innings, and Dan Maselli followed with a couple. Trevor Hoffman on for the save. Hirschheiser went the full 9. He struck out 11, but he does absorb the loss. The Tony Gwynn home run was the big blow. So, as we check the final line score here, 4-8-0 for the winning Padres, 2-9-0 for the 88 Dodgers who are knocked out of this tournament. There will be another 5 versus 12, by the way, next week on the podcast. The 97 Florida Marlins, hello Kevin Brown, against the 1980 Kansas City Royals. George Brett gets to go to Miami. So it's a 12-seed the Royals and the 5-seed 97 Marlins. That'll be the podcast next week. But on this one today, this version of the Throwback League, 98 Padres 4, 88 Dodgers 2. This is Josh Lewin. Thanks so much for listening yet again. Appreciate you leaving us a nice review if you'd be so kind on iTunes and whatnot. If you haven't subscribed to the podcast yet, we hope you'll do that, and we hope you'll spread the word Check out our website. That is uh, thethrowbackleague.com. And you can find us on Twitter, too, at thethrowbacklg, short for league. So for now, we say goodbye from Dodger Stadium. Thanks once more for tuning in and finding us here. This is The Throwback League.